0: It's an honor to me that uh, that I get to join with you guys this morning and be here together. So, uh, so allow me to take a few minutes at the front end to catch us up to what we have been learning together so far. So, in the past uh, four or five weeks, we have been we've been walking through the Book of Ecclesiastes, and uh, in the in the Book of Ecclesiastes, uh, we see we see the we hear the voice of the preacher and and walking through this book has been really really good for my soul good for my heart and uh, and just just such an encouraging uh, uh, part of the bible encouraging book of the bible and as sometimes i have to confess that when we when we start to uh, listen to the the voice of the preacher in the book of ecclesiastes it almost sounds like uh, it's, it almost sounds like a uh, listening to a wild preacher in the street who is uh, who's, who's calling at, who's glaring at us and who is uh, shouting to us that that all of our lives are built around this illusion and that and that we are all going to die so welcome to church and so you know, it is a, it is, it is interesting that some of us at that point would be would be tempted to politely and quietly cross across the street and go to the other parts of the Bible, like the Psalms or, uh, you know, the Epistles and places like that. But if we are, if we are patient enough, and if we would give this preacher a hearing, we understand that the that the things that he's calling us to, if we would engage. If we would engage in this conversation that he is calling us to, we understand that the, 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 what he is saying is actually ancient wisdom that is much needed to, to, to navigate the complexity of living in a modern world. So in the book of Ecclesiastes we see the the, the King Solomon. King so the preacher that we see in the Book of Ecclesiastes is none other than the King Solomon. King Solomon is the is the most resourceful king in the history of Israel. And is he's, he's the wisest king ever to live on the face of the earth. And and this this uh Wealthy, wise king decides to decides to actually conduct this elaborate good life experiment in a in a quest to understand wisdom and folly. He decides to conduct this uh, elaborate experiment by which he gives himself to all kinds of indulgences, things ranging from pleasure to honor and from from wealth to service. And and then after after all of that experience, he he gives us his grand conclusion, his grand report. And he 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 tells us that life under the sun is meaningless, just vanity, a chasing after the wind. He actually uses the Hebrew word hevel to describe his conclusion, his report. The word hevel that translates to meaninglessness or something that is elusive, a chasing after the wind. And so today, as we as we uh, continue to look at this. Uh, fascinating and helpful book, we hear the preacher, the preacher remind, warning us against the, against the vanity of isolation. And then the preacher calls us to something better, a better way of living life under the sun. I remember about uh, 12 years ago when I first moved from India to the United States uh, since 2005, there's a lot of things that I was excited about. And, and, and the, some, of the, some of the things in the transition was a little hard. And one of the harder things in the transition was the reality, the reality that I am actually losing all of the deep and meaningful friendships and fellowships that I had built over many years in India. And then getting adjusted to my new normal, new, new reality, I, I, one of the things that I realized is that, is that you know, we live, we live in, in a time in culture where oftentimes the word friend can be easily replaced by the word acquaintance. That it is really difficult and hard sometimes to build meaningful and deep relationships and friendships. Now, now I don't, I don't think I want to say that I don't think I'm alone in my experience, because even with the even with the the, the advent of uh, um, social media and the and the connectivity that it gives, and many of us have got thousands of face, uh, friends on Facebooks and other social media outlets. And, and even with the, with the increase in common spaces, shared spaces in our city, just a cursory look at statistics will show us a different picture, will show us that isolation and, and loneliness is an epidemic that is, that is in the rise in our, in our con- culture, in our country. In the 1980s, about 20% of the adult American population would reported that, that they, they, they live a lonely life. And today that number has jumped to 40%, double that. One third of the population, statistically one third of the population under the age group of 65 would report that they live a lonely life. And this number goes up to 50% when you consider the age groups of uh, 65 and upwards to 80. So all those things are pointing to to the to the reality that we live in a moment in history where we we do not understand, appreciate, or experience friendship and community as we are meant to. Look at the words of uh, the Christian author and thinker C.S. Lewis on the topic of friendship. He says, To the ancients, friendship seemed the happiest and most fully human of all loves, the crown of life, and the school of virtue. The modern world, in comparison, ignores it. The modern world in comparison ignores it. So what does the scripture teach us about friendship? Specifically, what does the what 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 knowledge does the preacher in Ecclesiastes drop on the topic of friendship and authentic community? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter four. We'll be looking at verses seven through twelve. If you're new to the Bible, you can open it right in the middle and flip over to your right hand side and you should land the book of Ecclesiastes. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So in this text that we just read, the the preacher is calling our attention to consider the vanity of isolation, especially toiling in isolation. And then, and then he illustrates his point by, by giving us an analogy of a man. He, he draws the picture of a man who is uh, working by himself. He's got neither friends nor family that is mentioned here. And here is a man he has got a high work ethic. He is working hard and he is plowing through life and he's amassing a lot of wealth in that process. The preacher very well knows that the possessions that he is amassing will not satisfy the longing of his soul. And because he doesn't have family or friends or community to share those possessions with, even his life, much of his life would be bereft of any kind of enjoyment. Now at this point, some of you would be tempted to feel bad for this man. As we feel bad for this man, I just want to remind us that this man is familiar to us. This man is known to us. In some sense, this man actually represents the rugged individualism that we sometimes exalt as a high value in our culture. One of the things that, one of the values that sometimes we wear as a badge of honor is a a value that we can make it in this life on our own without any help. I don't endorse this movie, but... uh, there's this a movie. Uh, uh, it's a it's a movie. It's an Oscar-winning movie. It's called. It's a, you're all familiar with it, It's the movie American Beauty. And uh, in that movie, there is a there's a scene that actually depicts this this value that we hold in high esteem. There's a scene where Carolyn Burnham, one of the characters in that movie, is having a conversation with her daughter Jane. And she's uh, she's actually counseling her daughter to uh, to, uh, in, in, to as to how to face disappointments in life. And this is what she tells her daughter: You are old enough now to learn the most important lesson in life. The most important lesson in life: You cannot count on anyone except yourself. It's sad but true. And the sooner you learn, so, the sooner you learn this, the better. Many of us, many of us sitting in this room have had a similar conversation either with yourself or with someone else. Sometimes the, sometimes the independence and the autonomy that we hold close to our chest becomes the very enemy of building authentic friendships, building or experiencing authentic community. Because authentic community and genuine spiritual friendship is not a, not a utilitarian transaction, meaning it's not, it's not a relationship where two people will, will come together and think about what they can get from each other. Authentic uh, community and and, and, and genuine friendship would require for us sometimes to lay down our autonomy and lay down our independence and even sometimes run the risk of being vulnerable with each other. Listen to the words of Wesley Hill. Wesley Hill is a Christian author and he, he quotes this in his book, Spiritual Friendship. He says, if our deepest fulfillment is found in independence and autonomy, then deep friendship and authentic community becomes more of a liability than an asset. It becomes more of a liability than an asset. Following the example of this lonely man, hardworking man, the, the thankfully the preacher act shows us a better way of living life under the sun. The preacher calls us to consider friendship and consider authentic community. And he does that by giving us a, a list of benefits of having a spiritual friend. And And this portion is oftentimes uh, preached during a, a a wedding when a wedding sermon is preached and I don't think that this is a, this context is limited or restrained to just the context of marriage. He's calling us to consider what authentic spiritual friendship looks like and he gives us a list of the benefits of authentic spiritual friendship. Let's look at those. The first one that he uh, points us to is the reward of friendship in work, the reward of friendship in work. look at verse nine. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. So the preacher plainly reminds us that it is better to share our work and our life with someone else than muscling through life on our own. In fact, it is, it is, it is, it is God's design and God's plan for human flourishing that His people would work together in community and in friendship. We see this in, we see this in creation. And we see this again in redemption. We see this in creation because God creates Adam Adam in his image and his, and his likeness. And after God creates Adam, God does not give him work immediately. God sees that it is not good for Adam to be by himself. So God creates him for Adam a suitable helpmate. And after the creation of Adam and Eve, God gives both of them together the stewardship of the garden, the stewardship of creation. Meaning that God knew that Adam engaging in the stewardship of of the garden of creation would, 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 would not be good without a suitable helpmate. So in community and friendship, God calls them to work. Then we see this again in redemption. When we, when we become Christians, when we come to the knowledge of salvation, when the Holy Spirit opens your heart and you see the beauty and glory of Jesus Christ, Jesus adopts us into a family called the local church. Jesus adopts us into the family of other Christians. And the local church becomes this context where meaningful and deep spiritual friendships are forged. The, the, the interdependence that we experience within the community of the local churches is never a point of weakness. It is a point of strength. Even this uh, past week as I was uh, preparing for this sermon, I experienced the, the grace of God in community. I, I experienced uh, sitting down with other fellow elders and and bouncing up ideas and getting feedback and having having other brothers lock arms with me and praying as 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 I was preparing for the sermon was just a was just a experience of the slice of grace that God offers us through His people. No matter how gifted you are, no matter how uniquely wired or what what unique influence you carry. There are no Lone Rangers in the body of Christ. We are called to come together. We are, called to, we are called to lean on each other. And we are called to experience the grace of fellowship. And as we do this, not only do we get exponentially more work done, but we also, but we also, we also start to learn how to give grace and receive grace. And we also learn how to grow in maturation, in maturity, so that we, we, we grow in our affections for God. In addition to this, he calls us to consider another benefit. This is the the reward of friendship in times of trouble. The reward of friendship in times of trouble. Look at the rest of the verse. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? the preacher goes on to give us another example of the benefit of friendship by reminding us of seasons of suffering seasons of trials and tribulations the preacher actually drives this point home by giving us this illustration of a of a lonely traveler and the perils and the dangers he has to f- face in the wild now the now uh, you know we all know this this truth that that suffering and trials is like a revolving door no one is exempt from that no matter what the what the nature of trouble is, sometimes it is uh, the loss of a relationship, sometimes it is a uh, it is it's financial constraints. sometimes it's just a, a sudden diagnosis that completely shatters our world. sometimes it's a it's a tragic loss of a loved one, and sometimes it's a season of uh, uh, struggling with sin and temptation. No matter what suffering and trials are what comes our way, God has designed us not to walk through these seasons by ourselves but to walk by joining with other brothers and sisters, by, by walking, walking hand in hand, walking shoulder to shoulder with other people in authentic community as we experience God's grace. I serve, I serve here as the community group pastor and, and I have the, the, the privilege of hearing stories after stories of people experiencing God's grace in community. There are so many stories. There's a, just the two stories that recently stand out as a story of a, of a community group that, that rallied around one of their members that was going through a time of financial hardship. And the community group came along and decided to, uh, decided to shoulder the, the bills of this person for one entire year so that she can get back on her feet. And then there's the stories of uh, the stories of community groups coming along and fasting and praying for a family that, that was suddenly hit with a with a diagnosis that shattered the rhythm of their life. We need each other. God has designed us. God has designed us to carry each other's burdens. There are 59 times in the New Testament that the one another's of the Bible is mentioned. Carry, carry one another's burdens, pray for one another, serve one another, love one another, forgive one another. And these one another's cannot be lived out. It's not lived out in vacuum. It cannot be lived out outside of the context of genuine community and spiritual friendship. God has called us to bear each other's burdens. Sometimes on on dark, cold nights of the soul, the the, the support and the encouragement that a spiritual friend gives you is like a warm blanket to the soul. Now he uh, calls us to consider an, an, an another benefit. This is the final benefit that he uh, illustrates in, in these words. The, this is the, the reward of friendship in battle. The reward of friendship in battle. Look at verse 12. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. The final analogy that this preacher gives us is the analogy of, uh, of, of withstanding an enemy. Now, be it in the battlefield or, or be it in the face of adverse, adversity, lone rangers or would, 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 would rarely survive adversity. Sometimes all, it, sometimes all it takes to survive is the knowledge that we have a brother or a sister, we have a spiritual friend or a comrade who's got our back. Living our lives uh, on this side of eternity sometimes is very, very similar to, to a battlefield. We have a real enemies of the soul. We have an enemy that is within us. That is the, the sin nature that we have inherited from our first father, Adam and Eve. And then we have, the, we, have the, we have an enemy that is external to us, which is the kingdom of darkness, Satan and his demons. And we need each other as we engage in this battle, in this fight. Sometimes the uh, seasons of sin, as one pastor says, can, can feel like a bear on your back. And we, we keep fighting this bear and we keep shooting this bear. And, 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 and there is strength and there is encouragement when other brothers and sisters will come alongside us and help us in this struggle, help us in this fight. They would strap us and strap up and join in this fight, in this struggle. And then we together keep shooting at this bear and drag this bear to the streets and keep shooting at it till it dies. God has called us to experience in times of struggle, God has called us to experience the, His grace that comes through His people. And then there is, there is uh, times where, where we go through, go through spiritual darkness, where we feel the attack of the enemy, where the kingdom of darkness starts to push back and we need we need each other we need spiritual friends who can come alongside and and remind us of the nearness of god because it is when we are going through a season like that it is really it's really easy to to think that god is distant or god is absent and we need we need brothers it's like uh, the analogy that jesus gives of the of the man who was bedridden who was paralyzed and bedridden and he had good friends he had friends who would come and who I mean, think about this. He had friends that carried him and climbed the roof. I mean, climbing the roof, climbing the roof of a house by, by ourselves without any load itself is hard work. And now think about carrying someone who is bedridden on a cart, and his friends carry him up on top of the roof where, and in, in the house that Jesus is preaching. And they make a hole in that roof, which means somebody is paying for a roof. And so they make a hole in that roof and they lower this fellow He's not able to, he's not able to help himself because suffering and because temptation is a revolving door, we take turns to lay on that bed and we need each other. We need the support and strength that comes to the community of God's people when we find ourselves in seasons like that. And then finally, the mission that God has called us to, we're not called to engage in this mission by ourselves. One of the things that we talk about quite a bit here is a part of the the vision that God has called us to, we believe that God has called us to as a church is to love God, love people and push back darkness. So God has called us to join with other friends, have spiritual friends in the context of the gospel communities so that we can push back darkness in our city. We can engage, we can follow our King Jesus Christ, we can get behind him with other brothers and sisters and push back darkness not just by ourselves. So as we consider, as we consider the, the benefits of of friends you know in work, as we consider the, the reward of friendship in times of trouble, the reward of friendship in battle or mission. If you're like me, you may you may be longing in, in your in your heart, in your soul to to have a friend like that. Or maybe that longing is mixed with a little bit of grief or sorrow that you have not been able to be that kind of a friend to others. The good news this morning is that the longing that you're feeling points to the gospel. Points to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because in the gospel, we see that through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus offers us spiritual friendship. He's a a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And let me tell you what kind of friend he is. He's a a kind of friend who who through through his life, death, and resurrection... He offers us spiritual friendship. He offers us the the benefits of friendship with God. Listen to the the words of Jesus in in the gospel of John. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in the Father's name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Jesus, our generous friend, offers us the benefit of friendship with God through his life, death and resurrection. He's a, he's a faithful friend who not only picks us up when we, are, when we have fallen. But he's a kind of friend who actually took our fall upon himself. He took the fall for us that you and I may be called the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus is the, the sincere kind of friend who, who embraced, who laid himself down in the stone cold jaws of death that you and I may feel the warm embrace of God's grace and God's love. And finally, for the remission of our sins, for our sake, it felt like momentarily the, the three the, the threefold cord was broken. As our suffering, sinless Savior hung on that cross and cried out to the Father, Elohim, Elohim, lama sabachthani, meaning, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There was no response. Jesus was rejected, he was cut off for our sake, for my sake, for your sake. That when we call out to the Father, we will never be rejected if we belong to Jesus. The longing in our heart for true spiritual friendship is met in Jesus Christ. So as we, as we conclude today, if you belong to Jesus Christ... I want, to, I want to remind you that no matter, no matter what your past experience has been, maybe, maybe when you consider the topic of friendship, there's some hurts, there's some pain from past and previous experiences. No matter what your past previous experiences have been, I want to remind you today that Jesus Christ, our faithful friend, offers us, offers us complete spiritual friendship in and through Him. And this means that his grace and his love now empowers us and now frees us from the the constraints of our past experiences so that we can now be the kind of friend that Jesus Christ is to us. We can be the kind of friends to others that Christ is to us. This means that when we relate to each other within the body of Christ, we don't relate to each other based on our merits. We don't relate to each other based on how good you know, the response of the other person is. We relate to each other through Christ. Jesus stands in between us and our friends. And we approach each other through the love and mercy and kindness of, that Jesus offers us. We don't get to go over Him. We don't get to go around Him. We don't get to go under Him. We relate to each other through Him. And as we relate to each other like this, we are able to lay down our autonomy and lay down our need for independence and we are able to roll our sleeves and engage in the messiness that authentic spiritual friendship and community, gospel community is. If you're here and if you would say that you are not yet a Christian, I just want to encourage you that today Jesus Christ offers you spiritual friendship with God. The, the kind of friendship that I'm talking about begins and it ends with Jesus. And he, that, the offer is on the table today. And after we dismiss the service, we'll have some friends in the front who would love to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus, about what it means to experience the friendship that Jesus offers us.